I'll start off tonight with a, uh, a little cultural quiz. When I say Madison Avenue, what do you think of? New York City. I thought of downtown Grand Rapids for a to live there in college. Madison Avenue, New York City. Anybody know what's special about Madison Avenue? What do you think? Okay. I didn't know that. There's something else cultural about Madison Avenue. Advertising. You're right. Back in the late 1800s, about 80% of the U.S. advertising companies were located on Madison Avenue. And so now... Madison Avenue is a street in New York, but also when you're talking about the advertising industry, you just call them Madison Avenue, even though they aren't there so much anymore. And it wasn't that long ago that Madison Avenue, the advertising agency, uh, located or identified the top 16 slogans throughout the advertising history. The list is rather interesting, ones that you would recognize and would catch your eye because they were their top slogans, because they hooked you in and they became famous. One of them that I was surprised by was by the U.S. Postal Service. What's the U.S. Postal Service slogan? Do you remember it? Not that one. That was their older one. Close, though. We deliver for you. It doesn't sound that exciting, but it made the top 16. I don't know why. We deliver for you. And it's a slogan that they've been using for a long time in all their campaigns. And even as more and more we move towards a digital age, less and less snail mail going through, we still value and are grateful that they deliver in the snow or sleet or rain or, or whatever it is. Um, maybe some of you... I'm not quite old enough, but maybe some of you remember the great postal strike of 1970. Anybody remember that? They went on, yes, a few of you do. They went on strike for a week. They went on strike after the Congress approved a 41% increase in their own salary and 4% for the mail carriers. Okay, and they were all, the mail carriers were already so far underpaid that they qualified for welfare at the same time that they were full-time employees. And so they went on strike. And this was before there was the internet. This was before cell phones. Fax, mach fax machines were a brand new fangled invention that were just out. And they went on strike for a week and shut the country down as nothing for business got delivered. It was, it was a big deal. It was pretty amazing still when you think about it. I know price of stamps have gone up. But for 49 cents now, I can drop a letter in the mail, and in a day or two, it gets anywhere in the country. It's pretty phenomenal what they do to deliver. Delivery is important in our society, isn't it? We have all different kinds of delivery systems to get things where we want it to be. That's what delivery does. It gets something from one place to another. We can get a letter from our home to California with a 49-cent stamp, right? At Christmas time, the closest thing we can get to Santa Slay is, is UPS and FedEx, that they deliver our presents where they want them to be, right? There's even dreams of someday drones delivering things to your house, right? Airplanes deliver passengers, and, and checks deliver funds, and doctors deliver babies, and, and preachers deliver sermons. KFC, I just read now, delivers chicken to your house too, um, of course, they only do it in L.A. and San Francisco, but pretty soon you'll get KFC delivery to your house. We're constantly moving things from one place to another, and we value people who deliver for us. Well, this evening, on our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism, we begin a new section. Right? We're moving from man's misery, which I'm ready to move on from. Three weeks of, of misery is long enough for me. 
It's important, though, to know where we start and where we are, right? We're moving from man's misery to the section entitled man's deliverance. We're going to be talking about delivery. In fact, let's, Lord's, Day, Lord's Day 5, which we're starting on today, has four questions and answers. I'd like us to share it together. I'll read the question if you would reply with the answer for me. The first one, according to God's righteous judgment, we deserve punishment both in this world and forever after. How then can we escape this punishment and return to God's favor? God requires that his justice be satisfied. Therefore, the claims of his justice must be paid in full, either by ourselves or another. Can we pay this debt ourselves? Certainly not. Actually, we increase our guilt every day. Can another creature, any at all, pay this debt for us? No. To begin with, God will not punish another creature for what a human is guilty of. Besides, no mere creature can bear the weight of God's eternal anger against sin and release others from it. What kind of mediator and deliverer should we look for then? One who is truly human and truly righteous, yet more powerful than all creatures. That is, one who is also true God. That very last question asked about what kind of deliverer we should be looking for. In Psalm 18 talks to us about that and teaches us about that. Take out your Bibles if you haven't already. Turn to Psalm 18. We're going to use it throughout the night uh, to guide us in our, our learning about deliverance. Because God is called in this chapter our deliverer. We're going to be looking at different sections of the psalm. And, and the first three verses, this introduction to the psalm, are, are probably the most familiar verses of this of this psalm. They've been used for a number of the songs that we sing. Listen to this, verses 1 through 3. It says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I'm saved from my enemies. Now, verse 2 is the one that especially stands out, where, where David declares, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. And when we think of different names for God, a whole bunch of names can come to mind, but deliverer isn't usually the first one, right? Even in that verse, we think of rock and we think of fortress before we hear deliverer. And even when we do hear the name deliverer, too often I'm not sure that we fully comprehend what it means to have a God who is also our deliverer. You see, our God is a deliverer who moves us from one place to another. He takes us from one reality to a whole new reality. Remember, if you've been with us on Sunday nights, Lord's Days 2, 3, and 4 have taught us about our misery. They forced us to, to face the truth of who we really are. We are sinners, unable to do any good, completely lost, deserving of death and hell. Painful to hear, but true. That's our current reality. That is the world that each one of us is born into. That's our point of origin, where we start. And in question answer 12 that we just read tonight, 
tells us the result of that that misery. Our sinfulness has moved us out of God's favor. God's righteousness demands justice for all these wrongs. It demands payment. It, It demands that this debt be paid. We've been separated from God, and and there has to be restitution made. It's how we move from over here back to here, back to into God's presence, into God's favor. Our misery solidly places us outside of God's favor. And there's nothing that we can do to get ourselves out of it, to move ourselves back into favor. That's what question and answer 13 reminded us of again. Right? It asks if, if, if we can pay the debt, if we can remove this punishment that we deserve. And, and the answer, brief, that we just read is certainly not. Actually, we increase our guilt every day, the catechism says. We're stuck in our misery. We cannot move ourselves, which is why we need a deliverer, right? Just like that package that you want to send across the country cannot move itself. It needs a deliverer. We need someone to come find us, to pick us up, and to move us to a different place, to a new reality. And that is what Jesus does. Jesus, our deliverer. He picks us up from the doorstep of the kingdom of hell and Satan. And by his strength and his mighty power, he moves us to the kingdom of God. He picks us up and he moves us from the prison cell of sin where we're trapped. And he moves us to the freedom and forgiveness in God's presence. Psalm, Psalm 18 gives us a beautiful image of what God does for us through his delivering power, through the delivering power of his son, Jesus Christ. Right? In this psalm, I didn't tell you the history behind it. In this psalm, King David, who writes this psalm, is reflecting on God's physical deliverance in his own life. You remember the Old Testament story, that King Saul is still king. But he knows that David has been anointed to take his place. And in order to avoid that, in order to hold on to his power, Saul is hunting David. Like the deer are being hunted up north right now, right? He's chasing him down with the intent to kill him, to protect his own throne. And God delivers David. He brings him from one reality to a new one. He brings him from the position of being the hunted to being in the position of strength and power, to being the hunter, really. He brought him from powerlessness to power. Verses four through six show David's point of origin, his initial reality. Listen to this. David's writing this about himself. He says, the cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. That's not, that's not a pretty reality. What cords of death entangle me? Torrents of destruction overwhelm me? Cords of the grave coil around me. Snares of death confront me. 
I mean, picture in your mind the, the complete inability that David is spelling out here. He's trapped. He can't do anything, he says. He's, he's entangled by death, overwhelmed by destruction, bound as a prisoner to the grave. He's standing toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose with death itself. It's a picture of the ultimate powerlessness before his enemy. And when you're talking about the, the cords of death entangling me, I can't help but, again, panic with my, my swimming analogy this morning, right? Just picture these cords that are pulling you underwater, just pulling you deep, and there's no escape from that drowning. That's his reality. That's our reality. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether we feel like we're pretty good people or not, this is our reality. We are overwhelmed by sin, overwhelmed by the guilt that's rightfully ours. Satan's got his chains wrapped around us, ready to claim us, and there's nothing you and I can do about it. There's no way we can change our destination. There's no way we can change the reality of our guilt. There's no way we can change the reality that we deserve hell. We can't pay the debt. Instead, that debt keeps growing larger every day. It's like that. You ever go on the computer and and look at that national debt clock that they have? You can look at that clock and you can just see the thousands of dollars racking up by the second. That's our debt. We think we're doing good things to pay off the debt, to make God like us and be impressed with us and want to forgive us. In reality, our debt clock is racing higher and higher. We increase our guilt every day, the catechism says. That's why we need a deliverer. It's like David, who is helpless in his situation. More than once in that story, if you've read it, he's as good as caught by Saul. He's as good as a goner. But God comes through and delivers him. God brings him into a brand new reality. And look at what he continues to write, verses 16 through 18. David in his helplessness cries out to God, and here's God's response. Here's what God does, verse 16. He says, he, God, reached down from on high and took a hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. There, God's delivery. God's special delivery. God reaches down into David's sorry reality and he grabs a hold of him and he pulls him out. And then I love the imagery David uses. He says, he brought him, he brought me to a spacious place. It's a whole new reality. And those of you who, who maybe have a touch of claustrophobia, maybe you can comprehend it more than the rest of us, right? To go from being bound by these cords and, you know, just, pulled together, pulled under, no space at all. Now, to be placed in a room where there's spacious, a spacious place, freedom to breathe and move. He's delivered from a hopeless place of doom to a place of freedom and peace. And that is what God has done for you and for me through Jesus Christ. 
God sent his deliverer, sent his son to move us from one reality to another, to move us from the hell that we deserve to the heaven that he wishes to give us. I mean, these verses that that David writes, verses 16 through 18, are your story. They're mine. I mean, personalize them and listen, listen to this. Make it your own. It says he reached down from high and took hold of you. And he drew you out of those deep waters. And he rescued you from your powerful enemy, from your foes who were too strong for you. They confronted you in the day of your disaster, but the Lord was your support. He brought you into a spacious place and rescued you. Why? Because he delights in you. That's what God has done for you through the sacrifice of Jesus. And it had to be done by Jesus. We're powerless to deliver ourselves in any way. But God himself has that power. That's what, that's what question answer 15 tell us. It makes it clear the kind of deliverer that you and I need to be looking for. Because the only way we can be delivered from the hell that we deserve is to have a deliverer, the catechism says, who is truly human and truly righteous yet more powerful than all creatures. That is one who is also true God. Our deliverer had to pay the human price for humanity, but it had to be God because only God has the perfect power to set us free from the guilt that bound us. And in Jesus, God himself reaches down from on high and he takes a hold of you, he takes a hold of me. He takes a hold of anyone who will cry out to him in the name of his son, and he delivers us. He brings us to a new place, a place of grace, a place of forgiveness, a place of freedom in God. And what a radical new reality David is given. What a radical new reality you and I are given. Let's skip back to the end of, of uh, towards the end of Psalm 18, verse 37. Okay, this, this David, who was hunted like a wild beast, as good as a goner, right, has not only been rescued, but now he's been empowered. He's been set free to make a difference in this new reality. He's been delivered for a purpose. Listen to verses 37 through 45. Listen to how far he's come now. I pursued my enemies. Dave's gone from being the one pursued, now he's pursuing. I pursued my enemies and overtook them. I did not turn back until they were destroyed. I crushed them so that they could not rise. They fell beneath my feet. You armed me with strength for battle. You made my adversaries bow at my feet. You made my enemies turn their backs in flight and I destroyed my foes. They cried for help, but there was no one to save them. To the Lord, but he did not answer. I beat them as fine as dust born on the wind. I poured them out like mud in the streets. You have delivered me from the attacks of the people. You have made me the head of nations. People I did not know are subject to me. As soon as they hear me, they obey me. Foreigners cringe before me. They all lose heart. They come trembling from their strongholds. And listen to verse 46. One more. He's, he has credit where credit is due. He says, the Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be God, my Savior. What a transition. The, hunter has be, the hunted has become the hunter. The tables have been turned. 
The enemy that had him on the run is now on the run before him. In this new reality, God has not only rescued David and brought him to a new place, but he's given him power and a purpose. God has empowered David to be his ambassador for good, to be his agent for change, to be his deliverer for the nation. And so you and I have been delivered for a purpose. We've been delivered by the grace and the power of Jesus Christ, not just for our own salvation, as awesome as that is, that's worth celebrating, absolutely, but we've been delivered so that we might in turn become deliverers of the grace and power and the good news of Jesus Christ to the world around us. As much as we enjoy the spacious freedom, the peace and assurance of our new reality, and it's a wonderful free gift, as much as we enjoy this salvation we've been given, there's a task, a purpose for us here. There's more deliveries that God wishes to make. There's more people that need to be set free from the cords of the power of Satan. There's more injustices to fight. There's more lives to be transformed by the living, loving power of God. Jesus has delivered us by his forgiving blood into a new reality. And now, As we live here in this world, this world that's broken by sin, as we see again and again, in large ways and small, now it's our task to point them towards Jesus, towards the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't forget our own powerlessness. The catechism told us we don't have the power to save anybody. We We don't have the power to pay for their sin. It's not all about us. It's all about him. And we point them towards the deliverer who can bring them to a new reality, who can transform this world into a new reality. So think about that. God has has picked you up, has moved you from, from this reality, from the reality of sin and brokenness and judgment, and has moved you, delivered you to the freedom of God, forgiveness and grace. And now that you are here, He has a purpose for you. The box gets opened. And now, in your office, in your factory, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your condo association, he's placed you right there to point others towards that deliverer. He's placed you in your family. He's placed you in this church so he might make deliveries through you. And so this evening, we're just getting started and the largest section of the catechism. Right, we're going to spend 27 Lord's Days comprehending who God is, how he saved us, what his grace looks like in our lives. I think it'll be a little bit more enjoyable than three weeks in misery that we spent. And as we start tonight, if you think about God's delivery, be amazed at his grace that has rescued you and me. Never forget what God, your deliverer, has done. Reaching down to you when you were hopeless and helpless and pulling you out of the cords of hell that you and I deserved and giving us heaven instead. The price that was paid to deliver you and to deliver me was immense. The delivery cost was the life of his son. And he paid it. 
And now we have that privilege of bringing that hope to this world, of bringing the truth of freedom, of a spacious place to those who desperately need to know it. The truth of the deliverer has been given to us. Thank him and praise him. And I'll deliver that good news as well. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you, first of all, for reminding us, as painful as it was, as painful as it is, for reminding us of our hopelessness and of our helplessness. Because until we truly believe that about ourselves, we won't throw ourselves on your mercy. We won't open up our hands and our minds and our hearts to fully receive your goodness and your grace and your forgiveness. So Father, humble us. Humble us enough that we are willing to release our our very lives into your hands. And when we do that, Father, you will deliver us. You will set us free from the cords of death that entangle us. And you will bring us to a spacious place where you are, God. Thank you for that salvation promise and that salvation gift. And thank you for the privilege that you give us of pointing others towards the deliverer. So, Father, deliver us. Deliver the people around us. Deliver this world to be and become all that you've desired and created us to be. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us that much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to respond with two songs about our Redeemer. We're going to sing, There is a Redeemer, and I will sing of my Redeemer, my Redeemer, Jesus, who rescued us and delivered us. If you're able and wish to stand, please feel free to stand and sing.